The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Gathered together, we got one more full Bowl Locks, Bowl Locks Volume 2, Hard Lock Life. We'll be back probably throwing out some props and locks for the national championship game, but today's festivities will take us all the way through January 2nd. That action, of course, finishing with the Orange Bowl between North Carolina and Texas A&M. If you are uh, a listener who is getting this at different times, we're going to go through this in chronological order. I don't have a lock for every game. I don't know if we got any high-volume shooters out here that are going with a lock for every single game, but uh, that will allow you to sort of be fast-forward if you get this late or if you just want to listen to it. We wouldn't mind your... uh your stats, they uh, they help our analytics. So um, as we look back, we don't have a full review. We are recording on Tuesday, and we still have Oklahoma State, Miami, and Texas, Colorado to go. Tom is on a heater right now. Three wins, including Hawaii, Liberty, uh, and the Western Kentucky, Georgia State over. Barton right now is sitting at two and one. He's got Buffalo as the win. That is a uh, UNITY win for Barton, Chip, and Danny. Uh, A loss for Louisiana against UTSA. Very competitive game there. You were also in on the over. I've got the Buffalo, and then I've got the UTSA, Louisiana under. Danny right now uh, at two and one. In addition to Buffalo, a lock fight loss. Uh, to Tom, and then the under Buffalo Marshall, that one cashes as well. Uh, watching a lot of Marshall football and being a part of the CBS Sports Network broadcast comes in comes in handy for uh, for DK right there. Before we uh, before we lock it up, any general thoughts about what you've seen from bowl season so far in terms of you know adjusting the way you think or, or tips that you're carrying into this next edition? No. I feel like I'm hot, so I'm just gonna not gonna question anything. I'm just gonna keep going. I would say I hope you made a lot of money during the regular season. Like I think I'm I don't feel great about many of these, and I know we've said this a zillion times through the season. Like all of the regular season is gonna feel like the bowl season. Who's motivated? 
I feel like more than ever with opt-outs, with COVID tests, with games canceled, all this stuff makes it incredibly difficult to pick these bowl games. So be selective, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, as I get about 10 ready to go. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, like I say, at the same about time, to fire off 12 picks. you like UTSA didn't have its starting inside linebackers. Both of them was down like seven players and daggum head coach, Jeff trailer. And they were right there against Louisiana. So like even the I'm dialed into the COVID I've got the word on who's going to be out and who's missing games still might not end up having the impact that you think it'll have on the game. Hotter than fish grease, though. You know, those guys <laughs> were motivated. All season. Hey, head coach, head coach doesn't have to be there to know they got a little fire in their belly. So, uh, yeah, just, hey, find, find the scrappy teams. All right, y'all ready to lock it up? Do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's Come locked. get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right. Again, chronological order. We begin at the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. Bank of America Stadium, home of the Carolina Panthers. Artist formerly known as the Belk Bowl, as we record four years to the day that Arkansas tight end Jeremy Sprinkle was suspended for the bowl game for attempting to shoplift at a Belk's during the Belk's shopping spree when every player was given Belk's gift cards. Amazing moment in Belk Bowl history. <laughs> shoot your shot. Yeah, shoot your shot. So Duke's Mayo Bowl is going to be Wisconsin against Wake Forest. Wisconsin minus seven and a half as we're looking at it. Over under 51, 51 and a half. Does anybody have a lock for this game? Just me? Oh, I was going to say, man, like whoever's on on this game has got some, got some courage. What you got? Okay, so I'm... Wake Forest is not the same team right now that it was when it was playing its best football. Like Boogie Basham has opted out for the rest of the season. That was going into the Louisville game. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the third running back, part of that one-two punch with Christian Beal Smith. He has opted out for this game. And you've got some injuries too. I just think that... Wake Forest, like Dave Clawson has done a good job in these bowl games. They've beaten Texas A&M, but they've also gotten wins uh, against, I think, maybe Temple and Memphis might be the other two teams that they've beaten along the way. And I, I just think that we see in this game, similar to what we saw against Michigan State in the pinstripe bowl, is that Wisconsin might be able to play bully ball. And and I think that bully ball might be enough to be able to win this game and, and win it kind of comfortably, let the defense lead. We know that we don't have a, a Wisconsin team that is relying on, you know, one player, but the way that Jalen Berger kind of showed up later in the season, you know, a little bit of a committee approach uh, at the running back position. I, I just think that at seven and a hook, it might get a little dicey in the fourth quarter, but I do think that Wisconsin because of its physical advantages in the trenches and Wake Forest missing just a few key players, uh, I'm going to go with the Badgers right here, and I'm going to lay the se- – I don't think I can get a seven anymore. I'll lay the seven and a hook. Yeah. I think that's the right side. That's the side I would be on, but I am, I'm, I'm scared of these two teams. Oh, yeah, like when I was- both of them? I don't trust either of them. I mean, but Wisconsin just like – what did they – they lose. They barely beat Minnesota. What they do? They barely beat Minnesota. Barely beat Minnesota. They got 
kind of handled by like their last three games have just like none of them have been impressive. Last four, they've lost three of the last four. I don't know. Like, what do we really know about Wisconsin? But agree, like I think they probably are the better team and probably are the right side. Yeah, I'm not locking anything up here, but I was kind of looking at the over. Just feel like it might mm. be higher scoring than people think, but I don't know. Um, I mean, Louisville sort of exposed. I mean, as we mentioned, Scott Satterfield was standing outside the the uh, booster's window with the boombox held above his head, singing love songs about how much he loves Louisville and coaching his tail off in that game. But I do think that one of the reasons why they were successful offensively is because of some of those personnel uh, deficiencies that they have here late in the season for the Demon Deacons. All right, that we have, I mean, sadly, no 3.30 game. We would have been in Nashville for the Music City Bowl. Missouri has some, uh, has some COVID positives. Shout out to Missouri. As I was preparing the, uh, the bowl preview that will not get published for this, I saw the Cover 3 podcast <laughs> got a shout out in the game notes. So whoever's listened to this, uh, I'm glad. Pass along our best to the Alpha Nerd. And if it is the Alpha Nerd, come on the Cover 3 podcast. We will <laughs> gladly have you here on the Cover 3 podcast. So we move right on to the nightcap on December 30th. It is the Cotton Bowl, Florida against Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners are now three-point favorites as we're down Kyle Pitts. We're down Kadarius Tony, We're down Trevon Grimes. Isn't there a fourth one in there? Jacob Copeland, Jacob Copeland is also out. Uh, I get- Tony, did, you say, did you say Tony? Yes. Yeah. Tony's so Tony's out. Pitts is out. Grimes, Grimes is out. And Copeland. Wilson's out too, right? The DB. Well, Marco Wilson. Out? I mean, yeah. he's he's taking his shoe. Yeah, and throwing it out. Yeah. <laughs> Insert whatever shoe joke you want to. You want to. He's he's throwing in the. These shoes shoe. were made for walking. Now. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I think it's really interesting. Are, at what point on this podcast I am not going to lock up Florida. But is somebody going to jump on Oklahoma? Is someone going to jump on Florida? And is there a number that if this thing pushes out that you would buy back in now that the line has moved six points in Oklahoma's favor? Can I get it at two and a half? Like Oklahoma minus two and a half? Yeah, Oklahoma minus two and a half. Let me see. Uh, Whatever I can get, I'll take the best number on Oklahoma. Three is the best I can get you. I'll take three. I'll lay it with it. Maybe this is way too easy, and that's always what scares me a little bit. Uh, it does feel like Florida has thrown in the towel. It does feel like even Dan Mullen, when he said this is the last time we'll see this team together after the SEC championship game, he knew this was going to happen. Kyle Trask has been awesome, but this is not just losing a Kyle Pitts for a game or two. This is not – I mean, you guys just rattled him off. <laughs> This is going to be almost an entirely new look of skill players. Timing, rhythm comes into play. I don't know, man. This one this one seems too easy to me, but I'm still going to take Oklahoma and Lamb. Although there are some trends that favor Dan Mullen. Um, he's 7-2 and two in bowls, uh, straight up in bowl games in his career. Um, as underdogs, they're 6-2-1 and one against the spread under Dan Mullen. Like, there are some things that would favor the Gators. But I look at Oklahoma, and I still think they're going to win this game. And afterwards, we're going to say, man, are we sure this team wasn't one of the best options as the top four teams in the country? Because I feel like this now, uh, you know, and the two losses clearly prevented them from being in that conversation. 
But with an impressive win against Florida, I think people will look at this Oklahoma team and they'll probably say, well, Florida wasn't at full strength. But I think Oklahoma will kind of buck that trend under Lincoln Riley where he's 0-3 um, in the bowl game. So I think he's going to get his first win as a head coach in a bowl. Fight. 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 Now, I can get the Gators at three and a half, but I just think this is one of those times where the reaction has been a little too harsh. Obviously, Florida is not as good when it's missing its three leading receivers. It's <laughs> it's not the same team, but I don't know if it's nearly a full touchdown worth of difference to this game because we've seen Florida play without Kyle Pitts already. They've been in this situation. They've That's not new. Now, obviously, Tony and... Um, what's his name or different. It's just, they have talent behind those guys. And I think that they have enough talent on that depth chart to where guys will be able to step in and fill in. And I look and it's like the offensive line's still there. Kyle Trask is still there. And I look on the Oklahoma side of the ball. And while Florida is missing its three leading receivers, Oklahoma is also missing one of its starting corners. And I wonder if that's a bigger deal to move down their depth chart at corner than it is for Florida at receiver. So I look at this offense as being one of the best offenses in the country all season long. This is one of the teams in the country that was one of the only two teams really in the country that we felt and we talked about was able of competing with Alabama. And it nearly knocked off the tide. It made it the, it was their toughest challenge of the season. And we've all agreed Alabama is far and away the best team in the country. And this is also a Florida team that has not failed to score at least 31 points in every single game game it has played it is going to score against this Oklahoma defense is it going to beat them I don't know but I do think that at a minimum Florida is going to keep this game closer than we've seen the spread swing and the reaction to this game go so I'm, I'm going contrarian here I'm taking Florida plus three and a half I can see it on both sides here a I, the on Danny's side I I can see the post game narrative and sort of retroactive perspective of, oh my God, Oklahoma, this team that's been sort of had this second half surge with all these young guys, young quarterback that's returning. Like this is the, this is the, the bowl that sparks the hype train for the 2021 season. Oh, hell yeah. Right. Spencer Rattler Heisman trophy, Oklahoma top three in the preseason polls. I'm with you. Very easy to envision that. And then I think on the flip side, this has still been the Florida team that I've said this before, like it has looked like the fourth best team in the country. Like it has looked like a team that is within that playoff realm. And so to be that good and to still, and, and even if you lose a couple guys, like Tom said, like they, like Dan Mullen is so good at scheming. He is so good at finding his playmakers. And so, um, Look, I, I don't, I don't love where I'm going to go here because I think Oklahoma has burned me a few times on on the over this year, but I'm going to play the over. I'm going to go. Florida's going to score points. Oklahoma's going to score points. I'm going to leave it open for the narrative to emerge wherever it ends. Um, but I think my, I think we're, I think my hunch here is that the Oklahoma is the the sweetheart of 2021 is kind of the the way things play out, but. I'll take the points and just bet on two of the best offensive coaches in the game right now, figuring out a way. I don't hate that at all. Uh, we move on to December 31st, New Year's Eve. The action gets started 
with Mississippi State and Tulsa playing uh, at noon. This game is the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. We're in Fort Worth. Ooh, this is a... Do we have a weather report for uh, for Fort Worth, Tom? Uh, right now, current weather forecast is calling for rain. Temperatures in the high 30s and winds between 14 and 15 miles per hour. Under. Let's go. Mississippi State, good defensive team. <laughs> Tulsa led by its defense. I know the way that weather acts in Fort Worth, especially at this time of year. It is a 46, and I am not scared Let's lock up the under with Mississippi State and Tulsa. I can get you 46 and a half. Let's yeah. go 46 uh, and a half. Make the children sing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a stupid line. Mississippi State can't score. This is one of the best, second, <laughs> this is, this is one of the best uh, cornerback pairings in college football at Tulsa. Mississippi State hadn't scored anybody. Their defense is sick. And Tulsa isn't going to try to score that much. The, the, you got weather thrown in there now, too. I know Zayvon Collins has opted out, but that's a linebacker position. We'll be okay without that. Um, I don't really have a lot of confidence in sort of what the final score is and who ends up on top. I think Tulsa probably wins, but uh, Tulsa wins with defense, and, and Mississippi State isn't going to score a lot. So give me, give me the under two. The 2 o'clock game is on CBS. It'll be Brad Nessler. Gary Danielson, Jamie Erdahl on the call from Tucson, Arizona with a battle of conference champions that are having some of their best years like since the beginning of the decade. Ball State, San Jose State, a combined 13-1 and on the record. Uh, San Jose State favored by 9.5 in this game, over under around 64-ish. Uh, anybody got a play here? Um. I'm on Ball no State. Ball Ooh. State plus nine and a half. Sneaky good defense. And uh, and, and I just think that um, that's too many points for a San Jose. That's too many points for Nick Starkle and a San Jose State team that uh, needed a lot of comeback victories uh, on its run to being undefeated. I think San Jose State wins, but nine and a half is too many points for a Ball State team that's been, uh, it's been playing some all right football. I can get you 10. Shoot. I, I, I'm not locking anything up here. I do lean towards where you're going. I, I think that San Jose State is the better team. I just think that it's being a little overestimated here, but I'm I'm kind of scared to lock it up because I know that I was wrong about Buffalo and Marshall last week, but I'm still scared of MAC teams in bowl games. Ooh. So I'm... I'm not going to go with the full lock. I support you. I might even bet it come game time, seeing how things stand for me. I, I might make that play myself, especially if the line stays in the double digits. But on the locks pod, it's, you know, it's got to be a sure thing. So I'm not going with it. Well, inside baseball, CBS HQ talk. Uh, Quinn hit me up and said, hey, um, can you do a uh, Ball State, San Jose State hit on HQ? And I was like, um, no. I can, if you need <laughs> but that sounds like it's more of a Fernelli specialty. So, Tom, if you got a call about San Jose uh, Ball State, I apologize. I guess I should have sent Chip, um, but uh, I, I, I took a pass on that one. 
I was gonna say Quinn has not contacted me about it, so maybe they just scrapped it all together. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there will still be a pregame show at one forty-five. Okay, you can see it on CBS Sports HQ pregame, halftime, postgame. CBSSportsHQ.com, and you can stream the Arizona Bowl on CBSSports.com or through the CBS Sports mobile app. Again, it is Ball State, it is San Jose State. Uh, like bet again, best season since like 2012 for one team, 2013 for the other. Both these head coaches have been built. It's like year four and year five. They're both sort of like been building in an upward trajectory. I think it's an exciting game. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a good company man. I'm saying that because I had to write the preview for it for the daggum website. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We're in Memphis, Tennessee. We got West Virginia. Facing off against Army. Remember, Army at 9-2 and two was left seemingly without a bowl partner. But yet, the, here we go as West Virginia was able to uh, agree to it. And, you know, shout out to Neil Brown who got to, like, officially say on Twitter, like, heck yeah. You know, you, you get a lot of a bonus points when you're the head coach who comes out here to save the troops and be able to, uh, to give them a, a bowl foe. West Virginia is a seven-point favorite in this game. Over under in the low 40s. I mean, maybe 41, 42, depending on where you got it. Uh, anybody want to dance on this one? I got a lock. First of all, I'll say I'm happy that Army was able to get this game because it was a damn travesty that an eight and two Army team was left out of a bowl game while two and eight Tennessee or whoever, the, or yeah, South Carolina was in a bowl game. That said, I think part of the reason Neil Brown is excited to get to play Army is because it's a really good matchup for West Virginia because this is an Army offense that we, we obviously we know it's an option offense, but on the season, it hasn't been that prolific. Like It's still somewhat efficient in scoring points per drive, but in success rate against the run, it only ranks 46th, which is above average nationally. But if you're an option offense, you probably want to be higher than 46th in success rate considering the entire premise of your offense is based on being successful. But uh, I, I just look at this matchup going against a West Virginia defense in particular that has been fantastic against the run. It is 12th in defensive success rate. It is 27th in yards allowed per carry and I just don't see how Army is going to be able to put together enough scoring drives on a defense that has now had about 10-11 days to prepare for it to be able to stick within the spread here now maybe they're defensively they could slow down West Virginia enough we've seen that the Mountaineers offense at times can disappear and it's not very prolific itself it's just matchup wise I don't see a lot here that goes in Army's direction so I'm laying seven points with the Mountaineers it feels un-American, <laughs> but I'm with you. <laughs> it does. It feels like, man, how can you do this? But for everything you said, I'm in total agreement. Uh, West Virginia's third in the Big 12 against the Rush. The extra time to prepare. Army has played four quarterbacks this year, so they're struggling with continuity too. It's not a great offense by their standards. Uh, I'm also going to take the over, a little D, uh, DK two-for-one special. I do think maybe there will be a little bit of adjustment to get used to that, um, the triple option, because even if you have extra days to prepare for it, it still takes a little bit of time in that game. I think you might see a big play to, uh, pop out of there for a touchdown or two. It's extremely low number, so I like the over as well. But I like West Virginia a lot. This might be one of my favorite plays for the week. It also feels like – the public wants Army to win too. So you're seeing a lot of money coming in our Army just because of the feel-good story that it is. 
anti you're 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 going against patriotism. I see a market yes. inefficiency with all these college football fans that are trying to support the military academy. Um, hey. What, what, what can you say? You got you to gotta find the winners where you can go and get them. Uh, exactly. All right. We, then the nightcap is going to be the Texas Bowl from NRG Stadium in Houston. It is three and seven Arkansas against six and four TCU. You know, this, I feel like this matchup has a lot of, uh, probably got a lot of guys that went to high school together, you know, probably got a lot of, you know, familiarity between these rosters. And so I'm, I'm hoping things get a little frisky. I'm excited to see Sam Pittman be able to lead the hogs uh, into battle, into a bowl game here in his first year, even if they were just three and seven, but I, I do blind. I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm, what was it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I got nothing here. What's, uh, what do y'all think? I got a lock. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. No, I, I got no play. I'm just, I, I'm betting on goofiness. <laughs> like there's just going to be silly stuff that happens in this game. I don't know what it's going to be. It's just going to be weird. I was thinking it of a be, fight. Yeah. I was thinking that these two teams probably are down to fight. It's, it's an SWC reasonable. reunion. Right. I mean, these, yeah. but yeah, no, I, and I'm kind of going with that energy. Cause I think that this game could be weird. I think it could be strange. And because of that, I'm taking Arkansas because I just look at the squads and I know TCU six and four and it got, it's, it's played really well down the stretch. It's won five of its last six games. It's that includes a win over Oklahoma state. It's just the other wins were like Kansas, Texas tech, Baylor and Louisiana tech. So I don't know how much stock to put into them. And I look at this Arkansas team and obviously you could say the same thing about Arkansas. It's got three wins. They came against Mississippi state, Ole Miss and Tennessee, not exactly the murderer's row of the sec this year, but I just feel like, and maybe this is our, you know, Sam Pittman, our hog hearts coming through (laughs) watching these two teams, even though Arkansas had the worst record, I was more impressed by what I saw from Arkansas this year than I was with TCU. And I look at this matchup and I say, eh, TCU is the better team, but, I don't think they're that much better than Arkansas. And I think the record is playing a little bit into the spread here. I think four and a half points is too much. I think this could be high scoring. I think it could be overtime. I think it could be stupid. I think it could be all of those things. But I think that most of the time, this is going to end up with Arkansas being within four and a half points at a minimum. So I'm taking the Hogs plus four and a half. Coming up on the other side, we get into New Year's Day, the college football playoff semifinals, and... The bowl games on January 2nd, Gator Bowl, Outback Bowl, Fiesta, and Orange next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. January 1st, always an early start. But this is a, this is an early start for the Peach Bowl. Luckily, not too, too much of a, a drive for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs as they go in to face Cincinnati. Georgia favored by seven in this game, over under at 50 and a half. I've got a lock here. Does anybody else have a lock? I yes. got a lock and a prediction. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Unload. The final heel turn as we conclude our season, moving out of being a Georgia podcast, <laughs> has got to be to take Cincinnati plus the seven here. Because I'm looking at the matchup, and and it's not like a fade Georgia in the game that they probably don't care about at noon on New Year's Day. Though, I mean, hello, you could just blindly do that. But if you're excited about the way that Georgia has enhanced its offense, it's because of JT Daniels and it's because of George Pickens. But they're going up against Ahmad, Sauce, Gardner, and one of the best pass defenses in, in the entire country. Like the one thing that Georgia's been re- able to really do to add to its offense happens to be one thing that Cincinnati is awesome at stopping and then when I think about uh, even up front that we saw today, like Ben Cleveland's going to be opting out, got a you know a few opt outs on the offensive line. I just I, I think it could be low scoring, and so if you want to jump on that under, I don't hate that as well. But I you can take the motivation angle for Cincinnati, which is trying to finish undefeated. I just see this game being a, a field goal, three four point game uh, if Georgia wins and I definitely could see a Cincinnati straight up win. So give me the Bearcats plus the seven, seven and a half. If I can get it, I can get it for you. Let's do it. Danny, where are you at? So I'm surprised. I thought chip was going to go the other way. My bold prediction goes with my pick. I'm going to take Georgia lay the seven fight, fight, (laughs) fight, 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 which will lead into JT Daniels returns. He comes back. George is going to be a darling favorite to pick, you know, the, the favorite pick to win the East to knock off Bama next year. And the cover three podcast will return to being the dogs podcast next year. <laughs> and it all starts with an impressive win against Cincinnati because they have been different. They have, uh, since they lost to Florida, uh, they're 3-0 and straight up. They're averaging 41.3 points per game. They were averaging 29 points before that. They've covered each of their past two games. Meanwhile, Cincinnati's failed to cover each of their past two games against UCF and Tulsa, and they won each by exactly three points. That defense, which you me- uh, mentioned, they allowed 33 points versus UCF and 24 versus Tulsa. That was their two highest opponent point totals this season. Give me the dogs. Well, I'm fighting with one of you, and I'm cheering with the other. <laughs> Give me the dogs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, to me, like, when we look at, I understand, like, Cincinnati's got a good defense, and particularly against the pass, and they have faced some good passing offenses. So I, I don't think that JT Daniels in, is going to come out and throw for like 500 yards and four touchdowns. Although JT Daniels, like Danny, you just mentioned, they're averaging over 41 points per game since he became a starter. He's got nine touchdowns to one interception. Granted, Cincinnati defense is probably the best defense JT Daniels will have faced, which is strange considering that George has played three SEC opponents with him. 
but where we see the difference, like when it comes to like SEC teams versus other power five teams or group of five teams, like Cincinnati is clearly the best team in the group of five. Cincinnati is better than a lot of power five teams. But where we see these teams fail to match up is when they get up against these upper echelon SEC teams is their defensive lines. Like Cincinnati has not seen a defensive front like it's going to face with Georgia in this game. Its offensive line has not seen anything like this. Its offensive line is probably going to have more struggles than we have seen. Like it had, it struggled against Tulsa and Tulsa is a very good defense. David Collins is one of the best players in the country, but Georgia's front seven is better than Tulsa's. And if Cincinnati struggled with that defense, I have a hard time seeing the Bearcats offensively being able to do enough against this Georgia defense to really kind of stay within the game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be embarrassing. I just think that Georgia is going to win and it's going to win comfortably in that 10 to 14 point kind of range where Cincinnati's making a game of it. It's landing some punches, but in the end, it's just Georgia is too much for it. So I'm laying it with the dogs. So I um, I was leaning Cincinnati. I think I'm going to sit it out and let you guys fight this one out and bloody yourselves up a little bit. I don't really have a good sense, but I do. And, and to counter Danny's prediction, uh, here's my wouldn't it be funny if prediction, okay? JT Daniels goes into this game, four touchdowns, 300 yards, he finishes 4-0 and with 13 touchdowns to one interception and 1,200 yards passing. Peace out. I'm going to the NFL. Third-round draft pick, and Georgia's right back where they started at the quarterback spot, and they sat the guy they needed while they lost to Florida and Alabama. And daggum Brock Vandegrift been playing the whole uh, high school football season with the torn PCL. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're <coughs> you're five star. <coughs> Stupid. Kirby's like, we need you in the SEC next year, buddy. We don't need you in one A, like winning the one A state championship. Congrats, but let's let's get you healthy. By the way, I wanted to do a two for one. I'm not going to do it. I was going to take the over. Chip said the under. Georgia's gone over in four straight games. Cincinnati's gone over in three straight games. But I'm not going to touch it. I kind of like the over, but I'm not going to play it. Moving on at 1 o'clock, the good old Verbo. Remember when we learned that? Like, wait, it's not VRBO? I've been calling this thing VRBO for years. It took them sponsoring a bowl game for me to be like, oh, it's, it's Verbo. So the Verbo Citrus Bowl, Orlando, Florida, Camping World Stadium, Northwestern, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Auburn. Kevin Steele leading the way. Maybe we get Brian Harson on the broadcast. Don't we normally get the uh, the incoming coach either oh, yeah, by phone? Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll figure out a way to be a part of this. Over under uh, a very low and exciting 43-and-a-half. Anybody got a lock for the Citrus Bowl? I'm doubling down. I'm going Danny. I'm going to the DK2 for one. I am taking Northwestern minus three and the under, what's it at now? Uh, 43 and a half. 43. Yeah. So Northwestern minus three and the under 43 and a half. Unders in the forties for your shorties agreement. (laughs) These are two under teams. You think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Yeah. and, And as far as like the spread is concerned, 
I mean, we, we talk so much about motivation for bowl games. Like, I have no doubt in my mind Northwestern is motivated and is going to want to play this game because that's just the approach Pat Fitzgerald is going to take to any game, let alone one in a, you know, a, a New Year's Day game against an SEC team. Auburn, no coach. The guy that is in charge wanted the job really badly, had a whole bunch of people fighting to get him the job didn't get the job <laughs> so it's like i just don't know if auburn is even going to give a damn about this game and i think that even if they do defensively northwestern i think is equipped to handle bo nicks and what auburn tries to do on offense to at least limit them which is another reason why i like the under so yeah give me the cats in the under all right i'm gonna go northwestern here as well um i just think this is what a what, what like a um dichotomy here in terms of this this coaching matchup um specifically the defensive coordinator matchup you got the one guy and mike hankwitz that's been coaching elite defenses for like 50 years he's been the coach of northwestern the entire tenure and northwestern's been playing badass defense the whole time no, no one even knew the guy's name until this year and he's retiring he's like Totally just just a just a good soldier the whole time. Then you got Kevin Steele, who's literally like sparking like a castle coup, like a like a mutiny <laughs> to try to try to try to assassinate the head guy and and get the job for himself. Um, that has nothing to do with X's and O's or what's going on in the field, I guess. But there's just a little bit of. Disney feel good to me that makes me want to get this Northwestern line. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play Northwestern minus three. Mike Hankwitz farewell tour here. Big time win. They're gonna be motivated. Give me the give me the Wildcats. Then our attention will be turning to the second Rose Bowl game to ever be played away from Pasadena. Anyone know where the first one was? Yes, it was at Duke, Wallace Wade Stadium. Durham, North Carolina, because it was January 1st, 1942, after Pearl Harbor, and so they didn't want to host a big game on the West Coast. So Duke played Oregon State and lost in the rain at home in the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 1942. So we'll be here in AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, Jerry World, number one Alabama, number four Notre Dame. Alabama set the record two years ago for the largest point spread in a college football playoff semifinal against Oklahoma. It has broken that record as it is now the largest favorite in college football playoff history as a 19 and a half point favorite against Notre Dame over under around 65 and a half. I guess I'd I'd like opinions on line total, regardless of whether you lock, but lockers go first. Who is going to take something in the Rose Bowl? I'm going to play it. Is anyone else going to play it? I'm to talk. Okay. This is the Barton move. <laughs> talk to me. I'm, I'm sitting here. <laughs> let, me, let me hear what you got to say. All right. I mean, this, okay. So I'm going to throw it right back at you, Chip. This is just principal play. Yeah. Notre Dame. 20 points. Too many daggum points. It's 20 points, man. Like, and, and just like in that Clemson game, it might be – Notre Dame might be losing by 21 at halftime. But there's going to be a, a point in which things really settle down. There's going to be a backdoor 
you know, a, a late score. You know, I think Notre Dame is going to continue to try to keep this game as slow as possible, keep the clock running as much as possible. Maybe they can control the middle eight. Like, there's just going to, they're, they're going to pull out all the stops. This is very much a cover game for Notre Dame. I mean, they, they've, this is. Don't get blown out. Is it, this is not a don't getting get blown, blown out, out game. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So that's that, that Notre Dame is playing against the spread here. And then, look, I'm not saying that. I mean, this is just. This is just me sitting on the couch saying that. But, I mean, look, they, that's the goal here, I think. I mean, they can't beat Alabama. I'm sorry. I don't think they can do it. And so I think everything is going to be about, all right, let's just see how slow we can make this game. Let's see how close we can keep it. And I do, I, I do have a ton of confidence in Notre Dame's ability in the second half, regardless of what's happened in the first, to, to, to at least limit offenses. And, I'm, and we've seen Alabama in second halves sort of – slow it down as well and just put, put their, um, put it in cruise control a little bit. So I'm not optimistic about this game being close. I just think 20 points is, is enough for me to go ahead and take the other side. I'll preface this by saying, I understand Ian book is not Heisman trophy winner, Kyler Murray. And I know that like Javon McKinley is not CD lamb or Marquise Hollywood Brown, though Hollywood Brown was hurt in that orange bowl, but that game, the way it played out, Alabama had it locked up by the end of the first quarter. But what happened at the end of the game? Oklahoma covered. Oklahoma lost that game by 11 because Alabama was just, you know, kind of working the clock out, running the ball. And Oklahoma started to gain a little bit more momentum. Um, Again, Notre Dame and Notre Dame's offense is not Oklahoma's offense, especially Oklahoma's offense led by Kyler Murray. But I do think that in the same way, kind of like what you said, Barton, when this game settles down, I think Notre Dame is mature enough to be able to hang in there, make a few plays, and find a way to uh, to kick in that back door. It's going to take the, – the one thing that stinks is all season we've talked about how Notre Dame's defense does a great job of forcing field goals. Like, you might be able to move the ball a little bit on them, but they really bow up when you get into scoring position. Alabama got themselves a good kicker. You know, like all those years we could count on Alabama missing field goals to keep the other team in the game. And they've got a kicker that we had as the CBS sports first team, all American. So that's unfortunate. But if you, if you can force field goal attempts, that's a win for Notre Dame's defense because it's not the touchdown you might be getting from Devonta Smith or Najee Harris. Also, Alabama doesn't, doesn't kick field goals. They score. They score touchdowns. They, they're, they're, they're six in the country in uh, points per scoring opportunity. I just I'm I talked about this on my mistress pod, but the idea like the vision of Notre Dame just getting stymied at the goal line a bunch of times and and excuse me at Alabama being stymied at the goal line several times and like settling for a field goal maybe getting a turnover in the red zone like I just can't see it I just I just can't visualize that happening they just don't do that and so that's where that's the hard part I have about figuring out how Notre Dame can actually win this thing but I think that'll be enough for them to find a way to keep it close then the nightcap we will be there are two other guys on this pod right well we got Notre Dame (laughs) love fest going on over here forget all about us fight go ahead there Tom fight 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 how much did Notre Dame just lose to Clemson by uh, was it five or 24? 24? 24. Yeah, 24. Is Alabama better than Clemson? Yes. Yes. All right. Give me Alabama minus 19 and a half. 
So are you guys aware there have been five, excuse me, four double-digit favorites uh, since the college football playoff began in 2014? They've covered all four times uh, the double-digit favorites have. Um, What about that Oklahoma game? That was... What was the fate? What was the point total? In 14 and a half. Oh, geez. I got to fire whoever does this. 11 point, 11 point Alabama win. You restructure your research team. Seriously. You got to get on them. Well, so there's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you guys are brave. I would lean towards Tom. I think all you guys are making this too complicated. I'm going to take the under. I think for, and it's kind of buying into what, um, Chip and Barton were talking about what Notre Dame can do and also what Alabama will do in the second half once they have the lead. Um, I think this will be a slower pace game, especially in the second half. I do think Notre Dame's defense is getting overlooked. Um, and I, I, I keep going back to the second half of that North Carolina game. And I know that North Carolina is not Alabama, but they are a similar like they're like Alabama light. Um, they're just they're not quite as NFL talented, but they are extremely talented. I mean, in yards per play, it's it's like in yards per play, the best offenses in the country were Alabama, Florida, BYU, and North Carolina. Right. Um, North Carolina's offensive line not quite as good as Alabama's, but Landon Dickerson, no one's talking about him being out. Which I do think, of course, they're going to plug in somebody else. They'll mix things around. Well, it'll be fine. But I think people are overlooking that. I would lean your guys' way if I was going to. That is a big point total, but I'm going to take the under. I think that's the I think that's the safer, better play in this game. And plus, if it does get sideways, if Alabama like blows them out, like I think it could be really ugly. And then it could be like a 30 to three or there's like somewhere where it's not even close, but then it doesn't come anywhere close to the total either. I don't know. Alabama averages like 50, like a real 50, a whole 50 points. (laughs) Still get the under and score 50. You can still get the under. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, Then the nightcap will be in new Orleans. It looks like we've moved this off the 845 to an 8 o'clock. I mean, of course, it's going to be like 820 or whatever. But, hey, that's yeah. an extra 30 minutes before the playoff reaction pod. So, hey, I'll take whatever you can do to scoot this kickoff up. Uh, Clemson, a 7.5-point favorite against Ohio State. A rematch of uh, last year's college football playoff semifinal. Over under here at 66.5. Anybody in? I'm in. I'm in. You want to go first? I will. Do you want me to? Yeah, go first. I want to see where you're at. Okay. Um, this is I, I. This might not be sound reasoning to 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 make a pick against the spread, but all week long, Dabo is straight up like holding <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah, like he is needling. He is poking. He is, he's just being like, like my five-year-old knows what pisses my, my wife off. And when she wants to piss her off, like she pisses her off. And <laughs> there, there's, there, there's no like denying and debating what's going on there. Dabo Sweeney right now is like, it, he is piling up bulletin board material. I mean, and, and, and Dabo Sweeney's not an idiot. I think he knows what he's doing. You want to know why I think he's doing this? Because they're going to win by 20? Because they're going to blow him out. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's sitting here watching this tape, and he's like, 
this secondary can't cover. He's like, we're, we're going to be running circles around these guys. Now, I don't know. Like, I, again, maybe that's not what's happening here, but that feels like what's happening here to me. I think that Ohio State has got some, uh, some issues on the back end that Clemson is, is excited to try to exploit. I also think that you're see, you've, we've seen Justin Fields have a little bit of issues this year with post-snap snap movements, with holding the ball too long, with, with you know, not getting a clean picture. Brent Venable's coming to town like with all kinds of theatrics for him to deal with on defense. I don't know, man. This just feels like Clemson is going to cruise. I mean, I'll go ahead. Uh, Tom shared some very interesting t- statistics about Justin Fields' struggles against the Blitz. He's going up against the extremely Blitz-happy uh, Brent Venables. And I I just don't think that we, – we saw Trey Sermon run for three bills in the, against a good Northwestern defense in the Big Ten championship game. But if we take the entire Ohio State body of work, as limited as it may be, um, there's a lot of third and longs that come because they weren't able to get good runs from Master Teague and Trey Sermon on first and second down. And I don't think those third and longs go well uh, for Justin Fields and Ohio State. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm laying Clemson. I did share those numbers with you, and Justin Fields has been awful when under pressure and being blitzed this year. But I also shared with you Trevor Lawrence's numbers when under pressure and being blitzed this year. And while they're better than Justin Fields, they haven't been great. And you mentioned Barton, like Dabo and Clemson are looking at this Ohio State defense, and they see that back end, and they're like, ooh, let's, let's try to take advantage of that. Trevor hasn't been great throwing vertically either. Like, Deep down the field passing really hasn't been there that much for Clemson this year. He's, he's It hasn't been super accurate. So when I look at this matchup, I go back to last year's game, and I just go back to that whole kind of principle we've talked about in here many times, whereas when it comes to these big games, Dabo might be talking big, but he's probably going to get conservative. So I'm looking at the total. I'm going under, if we remember last year's game, the final was 29-23, so that's Mm -hmm. 52 points. I can get this year's at 66 and a half. Give me the under 66 and a half, because I think that Clemson defensively is going to be a nightmare for Justin Fields. They're going to blitz him nonstop from all over the place, and he has struggled with it. But I also think Ohio State's got a good pass rush, too. And I think that they're going to put Trevor Lawrence under pressure, and he is not as good under pressure as he is when he's not. Of course, you could say that about any quarterback, but I'm talking about when you compare him to the other elite quarterbacks in the country. They have all performed better than both the quarterbacks in this game in those situations. So I think we're going to see some defensive success in this one. Gentlemen, I'm taking the under. Uh, lock agreement on the under. <laughs> By the way, it was reader error, not uh, not researcher error. It did have it listed at the top. The Alabama-Oklahoma 2018 spread was the only one where the uh, double-digit favorite did not cover. I just missed that for some reason. So Big of you to not throw your researcher under the bus like that. <laughs> exactly. I appreciate the accountability. Sure. But the same researcher did give me this little nugget. So since the college football playoff began, Clemson, the under has hit in each of their five semifinal games, and Ohio State has hit the under in four straight. 
and 11 of their last 14 bowl games uh, dating back to 2004. I think both these games, I think the under is the play. I kind of like a little parlay. If you want to take it, take the under in both the uh, semifinal games. I just think the tendency is, you know, usually a little bit kind of the counter punches early. You're kind of feeling each other out, usually a little bit slow starting. Uh, but I think these defenses are good. I I would lean your guys' way that are on the Clemson side, but I just I don't know. It's a weird number. I I I I hope Dabo's right because he has been talking so much trash. By the way, this is one of the most underrated rivalries in the sport. I think both both fan bases are two of the most obnoxious on Twitter. One yes. loves me personally. One hates me personally. So I feel, I feel both aspects of it. But either way, they're both over the top. And to see them go at it, I think it's going to be an incredible amount of fun. I would lean Clemson, but I'm going to take the under in this one too. Man, it is a, a really storied rivalry. And the next Ohio State win in the series will be its first because the Buckeyes <laughs> have never beaten Clemson. Tigers. Yeah, that's Dabo over Urban Meyer in 2014 in a bowl game, 40 to 35. Dabo over Urban Meyer, 31 nothing in a college football playoff semifinal. Then 29-23, Dabo over Ryan Day. First win was back in 1978, 4 and 0 all-time series history. So we've hmm. had our uh, college football playoff semifinals. The national championship game will be set, but we return to four games on January 2nd, starting with Kentucky and NC State in the Gator Bowl at noon. This game has Kentucky favored as uh, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, over under around 50-and-a-half. I don't have a – does anybody have a lock for this game? I do. Okay. What What's the – do we have um, an opt-out or an injury report or anything for NC State, Chip? Do we – do you get a – what do you know on their roster situation? Um. Nothing particularly uh, that nothing that stands out yet. The big talk around that program this week starts with why we weren't going to opt out of a bowl game. Because remember, half the ACC almost decided they weren't even going to play in a bowl game. No Pitt, no Virginia, no Virginia Tech, no Boston College. Teams with that had good seasons. No Georgia Tech didn't have a good season. But that was the the starting part of the conversation. It was like no. We won seven conference games. We went eight and three. We're going to finish this year in a bowl game. And I think that that message has mostly uh, filtered out to the rest of this NC State personnel. Um, I believe Aleem McNeil might not be playing. Uh, great defensive tackle. But um, other than that, and I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Other than that, nothing stands out. Certainly nothing like uh, the North Carolina team that we'll be talking about in a little bit that has no Javante Williams, no Michael Carter, no Deami Brown, no Chaz Surratt. All right. Give me NC State plus the points. Better team. Uh, better team. And also Kentucky's without their offensive coordinator. Not that that – I mean, we've seen – where you can't overthink these things in the bowl game. So that that's not really like my primary talking point here, but it is a factor, a variable that Kentucky is dealing with. I think both have limited quarterbacks, but NC State's offense. And again, I want to reiterate, like Tim Beck has been a, 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 a pleasant surprise offense coordinator. I think he's done a great job with NC State all year long. I just think this is a better football team uh, and they're the underdog. So give me the, give me the pack. I'll take it too. I like it. I was going to, uh, if, if this was a money line, I would take them to win outright as well. Um, Kentucky's just not very good on offense. 
Um, and I think NC, and they're good on defense, but I think NC State will figure out a way uh, to put up some points on the board. I bet Eddie Grant getting fired was a little bit surprising considering the year he did last year with Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, was, but hey, Mark Stoop wants to go in a different direction. But I think there could be some uh, some instability there in the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to take NC State too. I think it's a great test for NC State. Again, I don't have a great feel for it. I think it should be a competitive game. And and I, I mean, uh, NC State winning is absolutely an outcome I could see. But, you know, NC State's trying to build its identity as a team that can, you know, puts offensive linemen in the NFL and like a, a team that sort of wins at the line of scrimmage and, and has a good rushing attack. And so I think Kentucky's a good matchup there, uh, at least stylistically. They do have better players and they, they had a better season so uh, the line's a little surprising, but I, after a quick little search and, and a review of my notes, I don't see any significant opt-out news. So uh, no, no panic about your pick right there. Tom, do you, are you in on Gator Bowl? No, no. That brings us to just a joyous occasion. The Outback Bowl, Tampa, Florida, Ole Miss, Indiana. 12.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Indiana favored by eight over under 65 and a half. It goes against a lot of, uh, you know, what I've been doing to try and approach the bowl season. You know, I've been taking a lot of unders, but give me this over. Give me as many fireworks as possible. The skill position talent is off the charts. It's going to be 70 degrees. It's going to feel good in Tampa. This game gets loose. Give me the over in the Outback Bowl. You had all worried about everybody that the Rebels are missing. There's no, no Elijah Moore. There's no Kenny Yaboa. There's no Jerry and Ely. There's no Braylon Sanders. <laughs> Jerry and Ely opted out? Uh, well, he was oh, hurt. He's injured. He okay. was hurt the last game, so we don't know for sure if he's back, yeah. but um, the dentist is on Indiana here. He's with, we've had a lot of, like he had a whole, you know, long explanation. We're not going to give him that airtime because there's been too many L's, but he's got a, he, he's got a lot of doing a lot of blame game this year. Blame the dentist lock of the year of the week last, you know, of the, for the, uh, whatever it was last week, the LSU game, um, because of, he didn't know Elijah Moore, and Kenny Yeboah were out. And that is and he said he's hearing more potential opt-outs and Ole Miss. You know, he's he fashions himself somebody that knows people over there, and uh, and so he is he's taking Indiana here, laying the points. He got it at six and a half earlier in the week. It's up to seven and a half or eight. He'd take it all the way up to eight. So he's taking Indiana as plus plus. He believes in th- this Indiana team wanting to win because. Um, Tom Allen, former old Miss guy, going to be motivated, team going to be motivated, all that kind of stuff. Learn a lot when you're wrist deep in somebody's mouth. <laughs> I really want to go with Indiana as a good football team, but this is a weird game. I don't, I don't know. I don't trust it. That's what I'm saying. I'm staying away. Yeah. yeah. Weird games, big touchdowns. Hey, hey listen, you know what? I hope so. Link. Lane Kiffin looks down at his depth chart and all he sees is just WR1, WR2. You know, it doesn't matter who's in there. These are, I am the master play caller, right? Like I am the one that has the perfect scheme and design. Give me whoever I can go win with them. Over He's under. Absolutely going to get a celebration before the ball hits the receiver. It's going to be in the air. You're going to see it in this ball game for sure. 
Over under on combined touchdown interceptions for Matt Corral at nine and a half. What are we taking? Like Over. they'll figure out a way. I mean, yeah. It's good. It, this is going to be a, this is going to be a beautiful Matt Corral game. Yes. This is going to be a beautiful box score. Cause you know, Indiana is going to find a way to pick him off and turn him over. Hey, it's but, one of the things they do the best. Yeah, that's right. It's how they score all their points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new year six brings us to a conclusion on January 2nd. We start at four o'clock out in Glendale with the Fiesta bowl, Oregon, the PAC 12 champs going up against Iowa state the Big 12 runners-up. Iowa State favored by four, over-under set at 57.5. Anyone in on it? I'm not locking anything up, but I lean Oregon. I just It's it's that whole kind of natural Matt Campbell is a favorite, Matt Campbell is a dog kind of deal. And I just think Oregon's a pretty good team, but and I think it's being a little undervalued on the line here. But again, I, I'm not confident enough in anything to lock it up uh what's the line here four uh, four and a half something four, like four to five depending yeah you could, ah, golly, i would have liked that be a little lower I, I i'm i'm a little bit tempted to take iowa state but nah i'm not gonna play that so. i lean ducks too and that's uh that's that's just imagining that mario cristobal can like like this organ team can trick themselves into feeling really good you win the Pac-12 title. You beat a top ten team in the bowl game. I thought they showed up. I thought they answered the call against USC. Played well in that game. Maybe they can. Uh, maybe they can do it against Iowa State as well. An Iowa State team that you know a little bit disappointed not to get that Big Twelve title, but uh, not a lock. It's kind of like what you said earlier, Tom. It might be a game that I'm revisiting depending on how December thirty first and January first have gone. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I'm probably revisiting it, good or bad. And the uh, the nightcap from Miami Gardens Hard Rock Stadium, we're at the Orange Bowl. Texas A&M favored by seven and a half against North Carolina, over under at sixty five and a half. Feels like the line hasn't really moved, even as North Carolina skill players keep opting out. Again, I'll say one more time. Both of your star running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, Deami Brown, your best wide receiver, and Chaz Surratt, your best linebacker. I don't know, man. Let me let me put this in, in different terms. Like you say, I like the leading rushers, leading receivers. And okay, that has an impact. But let me put it this way. North Carolina's offense will be missing 4,056 <laughs> yards of offense and 41 touchdowns from this season. Yes, Sam Howell is still there, but that is a lot to replace. And you're going up against the Texas A&M team that has been solid offensively all year and is solid defensively. So, man, give me the Aggies. Lay the seven and a half points. Lock it up. North Carolina does not have a chance. Whew. Anyone want in? Anyone want in on that? Yeah, I'd like to hear the children sing and dance. <laughs> uh, so Clark Lee takes the Vanderbilt head job, um, but let's not forget who his Mike mentor <laughs> was, right? Yeah, Mike Elko. Now I don't know, like maybe that helps because North Carolina has seen this defense before with Notre Dame, but this defense kind of shut them down. So. Mike Elko's got a little bit of a blueprint. I think that this um, North Carolina offense is just going to, it's just is what it is. Like, I don't know. If there's a lot of adjustments that are going to be made. And now they got a lot more uh, missing pieces here, as y'all um, pointed out. And so 
I think let's 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 not also forget that Notre Dame is is Texas A&M and Texas A&M is Notre Dame. And so we've seen this before. We've seen this matchup. It's just a rematch. So give me the same team that beat North Carolina earlier in the year, Notre Dame and College Station. Give me uh, give me the Aggies. Did y'all see uh, some of Mac Brown's comments about the opt-outs? He's been uh, pretty hilarious. Because one thing I love about Mac Brown and his return is that he is just brutally honest, right? Like he, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how they you know, really missed an opportunity, how they were overrated early in the year, and they really got exposed for not being the number five team in the country. And he was like, "Well," he said, "It's it's going to help us in the long term. Will it help us on Saturday?" Eh. <laughs> he, he, he let out a full like, eh, like he, he's out here saying we're gonna win the. He's already preparing North Carolina fans. It's like no, no. This is about the message that we're sending to recruits and the fact that these young guys, the guys that are gonna be back, are gonna get this great bowl experience going up against a top five SEC team. He's he's already preparing for. We are going to lose this battle, but you just wait. We're gonna go and win the war. <laughs> all right to review bowl locks volume two tom are we doing sprinkles oh uh yeah i don't i don't think we did i think we didn't last week didn't sprinkle just sort did. of like i threw the one in late last these are just week. yeah just sort of like uh a la carte like sprinkle if you want to's so mm-hmm. what, what do you got for the sprinkle if you want to's all right i'll just go quickly i've got arkansas plus 170 cha-ching and Ohio State plus two fifty, just in case. Mm. I'll take NC State, whatever it is. NC State, I can get you plus one seventeen. I like NC State money line. That might that one just might be for uh, the boys. All the all, all, my, all my NC State friends out there, just to, just to hop along for the ride and <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and root for a pack victory. All right, to review, Tom. Tom is on Florida plus three and a half, West Virginia minus seven, Northwestern minus three, Georgia minus seven, Alabama minus 19 and a half, the under in Clemson, Notre Dame, the under in Northwestern Auburn, Texas A&M minus seven and a half, and Arkansas plus four and a half. Barton is on the over 69 and a half in Oklahoma, Florida, the under 46 and a half in Mississippi State, Tulsa, Northwestern minus three, Notre Dame plus 20, Clemson minus seven and a half, NC State plus two and a half, and Texas A&M minus seven and a half. Chip is on Wisconsin minus seven and a half, the under 46 and a half in Mississippi State, Tulsa, Ball State plus 10, Cincinnati plus seven and a half, Notre Dame plus 20, Clemson minus seven and a half, the under 43 and a half in Northwestern Auburn, and the over 65 and a half in Indiana Ole Miss. Danny, with Oklahoma minus three, West Virginia minus seven, the over 41 in West Virginia Army, a DK two-for-one special, Georgia minus seven against Cincinnati, the under 66 in Bama Notre Dame, the under 66 and a half with Clemson and Ohio State, and then NC State plus two and a half. The lock fights. Let's see. We've got a Tom and Danny in Oklahoma, Florida, and then we've got a Chip and wait, Chip and Tom, right? Yeah, yeah Chip, would, Chip and Tom and Dan, Chip against Tom and Danny. While Barton just sits no, by. I, my, <laughs> yeah, I got a lock fight with 
Danny on Oklahoma, Florida. You and I have lock fights on Cincinnati. And then I've got a lock fight with you in Barton for Notre Dame, Alabama. You know, I saw, I saw a lot of blue there's on here. There's a lot here. of blue and red on yeah, this board. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, there, there's some some good battles in there. Everyone's got some stakes. Uh, all right. It's it, it's always strange when I have to get into the different shades of blue on the dock to differentiate <laughs> oh. the lock unit lock agreements between everybody. You can subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast anywhere where you get your podcast. Don't forget, you can get us on YouTube at youtube.com slash cover3 for that multi-platform excellence. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.